Um, all right, so this is Daily Power Parsha. Today is Wednesday, July 14th, and it is great to study Torah with you on this beautiful Wednesday. All right, we're in the middle of the opening portion, opening Parsha of the book of Deuteronomy. It's called Devarim, or Deuteronomy, but we'll do the Hebrew, Devarim. And essentially, Moses is encouraging the people at the end of his life. Shortly before his passing, before he passes along the mantle of leadership to Joshua, he has a few words to tell the Jewish people. He's got a few things to share. And mainly it's about encouraging them to keep the faith, to stay on track, to do the right thing. And part of that is to recall in the past, the last 40 years that they've spent together in very close contact, some of the times that did not work out so well. So yesterday we read about Moses' recollection of the sin of the spies, and um, and that and that experience. And today we are going to continue the narrative. So here we go. Reading number four. I'm going to share this with you. I haven't shared my screen yet. Just working on getting the right page. Okay. Can you guys see that? Yes. Tar reading. All right. Amazing. Yes. All right. Awesome. Deuteronomy chapter one. We're still in the first chapter, verse thirty-nine. Reading number four, as you can see right there. Moses says to the people. Well, this is a story in a story. Moses is speaking to the people about what he spoke to the people 40 years earlier. And this is what he said then. Moreover, your little ones whom you said will be prey and your children who on that day did not know good and evil, they will go there. And I will give it to them, and they will possess it. Basically, what Moses is saying to this second generation, to the new generation, is he's recalling, right, there's a recollection of what he said to, the, to their parents 40 years prior. And he's saying to them that I told your parents, you're afraid to go into Israel, you're afraid of the giants, you're afraid of, of you know, the big bad wolves or whatever it is, you're afraid of the boogeyman, right? You're afraid of all the adversity and the challenge that's going to face you. You have nothing to worry about. God is with you. God already demonstrated his ability to, you know, to repel, to push back, to conquer, to destroy, essentially, the forces of Egypt. He split the sea. He gave you the Torah. He flattened the land in front of you. He's defeated all adversity. You have nothing to worry about, right? There's zero, nothing, like, nothing to worry about. But you're worried about the kids. What are the kids going to do? How, the kids are not going to be safe. Moses says, at the end of the 40 years, I told your parents, the little ones, that you're afraid they're going to be like prey to the wolves. They're going to be devoured. The kids that are so innocent, they don't know good and evil. In other words, they're pure and innocent kids. Moses says, I told your parents then that your kids, they will be the ones that will have the courage to go in. You don't have the courage. Why? You're putting it on the kids. You're saying, what are going to happen with the kids? You know what's going to happen with the kids? They're going to be the ones that have the courage to go in. Right? You're afraid of them being so innocent and being, being so um, impressionable and, 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 and so vulnerable. Nothing to worry about. In fact, they're going to outshine you because they're going to be the ones that are bold enough to go in. They will be that generation that actually conquers the land. But as for... Aren't we the kids too, in a sense? Of course. We are the kids, right? And it's also true for our own families, 
right? Sometimes we underestimate the power of youth. Sometimes we say, well, you know, kids can't do it. I don't know if that's a, if that's a thing anymore, but, you know, it's, it's, sometimes we underestimate what kids can accomplish, what the youth can accomplish. So here we go. Verse 40. Moses continues recalling what he told that generation 40 years prior, right after the sin of the spies. But as for you, you ye all who doubt the abilities of God, ye all, I'm just, I don't know why I'm using ye all. It just feels like the right thing to do. Y'all who, um, who are panicking about going into the land, turn yourselves around and journey into the desert by way of the Red Sea, you are in a holding pattern for 40 years. Instead of continuing the journey to Israel, go back, go back. You know, you'll make a little circle and that's it. Moses, hey Mark, good to see you. Moses continues. Moses continues in his um, recollection. He says, then you answered and said to me. Now you is not you, because that was the previous generation, but you mean the people. So then you answered and said to me, whoops, right after I told you no. So what happened? You had a change of heart. Oh, we have sinned against the Lord. We will go up and fight according to all that the Lord our God has commanded us. Yeah. Change of, change of heart. Once they, <laughs> once they got, you know, once they got, uh, they got hit with the divine decree of not going into the land, Suddenly they had a change of heart. No, we do believe in God. God can do it. We're ready to go. Don't punish us, right? We made a mistake. We've sinned. Let's do it. Well, too little, too late. So everyone, so every one of you girded his weapons and, and you prepared yourselves to go up to the mountain. You were ready to go. As soon as you heard the word from God that you're not going to go in, you were ready to go. Like five minutes ago, you were crying. You didn't want to go in. Then you were told you can't go in, and now you want to go in. This is how Meshuggah people are, right? This is how crazy human psychology is, right? You're told yes, or you're told to do something. You don't want to do it. Then you're told, well, then don't do it. Then you want to do it. Like reverse psychology, right? It's like you tell someone you have to, they don't want to. You tell someone you can't, then they want to do it. This is what's going on. And the Lord said to, to me, so God said to Moses, as Moses is recalling, say to them, neither go up nor fight. You got to tell the people, said God to Moses, don't go up and don't go fight for I am not among you. That's going to be a suicide mission, lest you be struck down before your enemies. And as Moses recalls 40 years later, at the end of the 40 years, so I spoke to you. I told you this. I told you what God said. Don't go up. It's going, to be, it's, it's going to be a suicidal mission. But you did not listen. For the second time, you didn't listen. You didn't listen the first time when I told you to go up. And you didn't listen the second time when I said, don't go up. And you rebelled against the command of the Lord. And you acted wickedly and went up to the mountain. So you were wicked before in not wanting to go up. And now you're wicked again in wanting to go ascend the mountain. And... As you and I know, we, we just did this a few weeks ago. And the Amorites dwelling in that mountain came out towards you and pursued you as bees do. You know, bees that swarm. Once bees get a, get a target, 
That's it. Right? That's... And beat you down in Seir as far as Kharma. So you returned and wept before the Lord, but the Lord would not hear your voice, nor would he listen to you. Yeah, you were crying, you were mourning, you were sad. I told you. Right? God told you. And you dwelled in Kadesh many days as the days that you dwelt. We'll bring up Rashi on that in a moment. But first, I want to tell you something about bees. My grandfather, a blessed memory, shared a story many times with me about when he was in the Catskills, in overnight camp. You know, the Catskill Mountains. Yeah, Catskills. Yeah. Donna, were you ever in the Catskills? Hold on. Yes. So I went there as a teenager. My parents took me for vacation. And actually, you know, and I lived through it as it declined as an adult. And I actually met my husband there. There was like a singles weekend. And that's, (laughs) yeah, I, yeah, I'm very, 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 yeah, the whole story. Yep, I went with my parents. The whole Catskills with the the various hotels and the entertainment and that whole thing. I saw that was the big one, the Concord. Yeah, the Concord. There was, um, yeah, there's, in fact, there's a documentary that was made a few years ago. It might have been about the Concord or about the hotels in general, about the whole, you know, decline. There's still stuff that goes on, by the way, but it's like much, 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 much less than it was. But anyway, the point is like this. Um, the point is that... Um, my grandfather went to camp there in the Catskills. This was, uh, I mean, he was born in 1922. So figure, I don't know, he was a teenager. Talk about the 30s. I mean, it was a long time ago. And he saw a hole in the ground or like a mound in the ground or something like that. And he decided to like, I don't know if he spit in it or he threw like a rock in it or something. I don't know, he was, or he kicked something into it. He started like messing around with the hole in the ground. The next thing you know, a, a swarm of wasps came and just went after him. And he was running and they were chasing him. They got him eventually. I don't know how he got out of it. I don't remember the details. Honestly, I don't remember all the details, but I just know about his camp story about being like attacked by a swarm of wasps. So anyway, what's the point? I have a bear story also. That was also in the Catskills. Um, where was that? Yeah, they had the Catskills. Yeah. We got... Um, hold on one second. I'm not sure where to... Ask Robert Schusterman. I'm not sure. So, um, yeah. He, um, I, we had bears. My grandfather had wasps. Either way. The idea of being pursued by bees is bees are not going to let up anytime soon. Right, so they were pursued as bees, and that's uh, that's not a comfortable experience. So we're up to chapter two, but I want to. Oh, and the end of the reading is is at hand. Also, I want to toggle some Rashi's. Here we go. Um, Take a look at Rashi. On turn yourselves around and journey into the desert by way of the Red Sea. This is God's response to the Jewish people not wanting to go into the land. Initially, so he so turn yourselves. I thought previously to let you pass through the breadth of the land of Edom north, were tent to the land, but you sinned and caused the lay for yourselves. Turn yourselves backwards and proceed through the desert towards the Red Sea. 
The desert in which they were traveling was south of Mount Seir, separating the Red Sea from Mount Seir. Now turn in the direction of the sea and go around Mount Seir along its entire southern side from west to east. To help us understand this, I'm going to stop sharing for a moment and show you my handy-dandy, trusty Chumash. The reason why I'm pulling this out is because there's a wonderful picture that shows the journey and um, the wandering of the 40 years and how they circle back. So, let me pull this up. Give me a second here. Okay, here we go. You guys are going to love this. Um, wait, maybe there's a better one. Let's see if I have a better one. Okay, I've showed this to you before. Okay, this is Mount Sinai. Okay, so they went from Egypt, right, to Mount Sinai. That journey is not here. So, you know, I actually have another picture for that journey. Let me pull that one up. Because that's also cool to see. Um, here, I'll show you in a second. They went... Take a look. You see that? They went from up there? Yeah. Down there. They went from north to south. That's yeah. A detour. Big detour. Yeah. yeah, exactly. They went, well, they had to get to Mount Sinai, which was in the south. So they went from R Ramses, right, to, probably easier if I do it this way. They went from Ramses, I hope you can see this, right, northern Egypt. They went, look at that little loop through the sea. Do you see that loop? Through the Red Sea at the top, the Reed Sea, Sea of Reeds? Yes. Where, where it kind of makes that like um, lightning bolt uh, thing. And then they went down to Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai is at the bottom. Okay, and then the next journey was from Mount Sinai to Kadesh Barnea where they went back up. Right, so they went down, then they went up to Kadesh Barnea, and that's where the, sp the spies were dispatched from. The spies went into the land, and that's where the sin of the spies transpired. That's where that disaster happened. And then for the next 40 years, you see that bottom picture, is where they looped around. So what they did was, from, and I'm going to show you now the bigger version because this will work. Um, so the revelation had to be at Mount Sinai. They had to go to Mount Yeah, Sinai. for whatever reason, that's where God wanted to do it. So remember, they went essentially from here. I'm sure there was an easier way to do this. They went from like up here through a little loop of the sea and then down here to Mount Sinai. That was le leg number one. They got the Torah here. They went up to Kadesh Barnea, and they were supposed to go into Israel, but they sinned with the spies, and then they looped around. And you see that sea, the Reed Sea? They looped around and went kind of back down toward a sea area. So that was like a detour back down, and then they came back up, and then they ultimately, you know, um, journeyed up that way toward the eastern side of, uh, of the land of Israel. But this is basically, essentially, the route that they took and what it means that God says turn backwards because although they didn't go that far, the journey did take them back south, back toward the sea, which was away from Israel, and that's what Rashi is essentially saying. They went, they went down. Mark, it looks like you got something. Yeah. Um, in the previous Parsha, when all the journeys were enumerated, yes. are they all on that little circular route? 
No, um, there were some journeys that were the initial leg from Egypt to Sinai, then Sinai to Kadesh Barnea. It wasn't just one, it wasn't like one stop. Each, you know, there were stops in between those, but it's just showing the primary legs of the journey. Those 40 years, there were a bunch of stops. That little circle, there were a bunch of stops. And then there were additional stops in that final leg, you know, up, up the side, up the, the eastern side of, of Israel to, uh, to ultimately get primed and prepped to enter from, from the northeast. That's kind of where, where those journeys took place. So how many took place in segment one, segment two, segment three, segment four? We would have to look back. But it wasn't just like one, two, 37, 40. It was more nuanced than that. Yeah. All right, let me share the screen. Let's do some more in, in depth inside study. Um, that's what Rashi says basically over here backwards because as you saw in the loop, they didn't just stay in one place for 40 years. They didn't go up initially. They went back and then looped back up. Let's continue. Um, I'm going to skip this Rashi. Here we go. Um, Moses reports, Moses recalls that God told him after the sin of the spies and after the people were told they're not going to go to the land and then they said, we do want to go. God replied, and as Moses reported, God said, neither go up nor fight. What does neither go up mean? Rashi explains, there will be no ascent, victory for you, but only a descent, only a defeat. If you, if you try to go up, you will not go up in victory. You will only go down in defeat. Um, as bees do, ah, Rashi says something completely different. That's why we do this with Rashi. As bees do, Rashi says, just like a bee dies instantly after stinging a person. Do bees die instantly after stinging a person? I think some bees do. So they too, the, huh? Wasp does not. Wasp, yeah, I think that might have been part of the problem actually. But yeah, just as bees or some bees die instantly after stinging a person, Rashi says they too, the Amorites, upon touching you, died immediately. What's interesting is that if you recall in the story, the Amorites eventually did, um, uh, were ultimately conquered, right? Sichon Melech Amori, right? Sichon Melech Amori. Sichon was the king of the Amorites. So um, the, the Amorites at some point also were defeated, but they got in the sting. They got in the sting, and the sting was for those that tried nonetheless to conquer the land of Israel without God's help. That's what they were cut down by the Amorites, and then the Amorites themselves were ultimately cut down. Okay, next, the, the Lord would not hear your voice as if possible to say of God, you made his attribute of mercy as though it were cruel. So Rashi says, what does it mean that God would not hear your voice? How could God not hear the voice of, of prayer? So it means, Rashi says, as, as if to say that God made his attribute of mercy cruel. In other words, God said, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not going to be compassionate in this instance. Usually we can appeal to God's compassion. But God says, in this case, I'm not going to be compassionate. I'm going to be cruel. Cruel meaning that God is not going to relent and be with the people and conquer the land of Israel now. God said, it's going to be 40 years of wandering. It's going to be 40 years of wandering. I, the people are saying now they're ready to go. They don't need 40 years. God says, I'm not listening. I'm not listening. Come back in 40 years. And you dwelled in Kadesh many days. 
here we go, right? Moses, again, just, I, I know I'm a broken record here and I, I, I don't, I'm unfazed by that. I'm going to still do it cons consistently. This is Moses 37 days before his passing at the end of the 40 years of wandering. They're already knocking on the door on the border, about to go in under Joshua. And Moses is recalling what happened in the last 40 years. And he says, and you dwelled in Kaddish many days, as the days that you dwell. What does that mean? Rashi explains how many days, with, how, many, how long were they at Kaddish? Kaddish, again, time out. Kaddish was where they sinned with the spies. That's where the spies were dispatched. They were supposed to go into Israel from there, but they didn't. How long did they stay at Kaddish? 19 years. As it says, as the days that you dwelled in the other stations. And Mark, this relates to what you were saying. They totaled 38 years. Right? There were 38 years total. 19 of them were spent at Kaddish. And for 19 years, they continually wandered about. And they returned to Kaddish. That little loop that I showed you a few times... They were in Kaddish for 19 years, and then they looped for 19 years. As it says, and he made them wander about in the desert. Thus I found in Seder Olam. Seder Olam is a great book of chronology according to Torah, according to Jewish sources. And it says there they wandered for 38 years. Look, it's 40 years, right? But year one was from the Exodus to... Let, let me explain. It's 40 years total between the Exodus and going into Israel. The first year was spent, you know, getting the Torah, building the Mishkan, the tabernacle, all that stuff. So the first year they were busy. Then they sent the spies to go in. So that was going to be a basically a year later. So year one is spoken for. 38 years they looped. The spies went in. They came back. Disaster. They stayed in Kaddish for 19 years. They wandered for another 19 years. It's 38 years. 38 plus one, the first year is 39. And that last year is when they finally made the approach to Israel. Are you with me on that? So year one was from the Exodus to, you know, Torah and Mishkan. 38 years of wandering, 19 and 19. And then the last year, year 40, was when they made their move. Final approach. And they encountered, remember, they asked, you know, Moab, can we go through? No. They asked um, other nations, can we? No. Then they had wars and, and Bilam and all, all that drama. Okay, next. Do, Rabbi, yes. Rabbi, does Moses know the exact day that he's set to pass away, or is he running out the clock? That's a really good question. So we know that he passed away on his birthday. His birthday was the seventh day of Adar, and he passed away on that day exactly 120 years, on his 120th birthday, which is why we say we wish each other to 120. Like Moses lived a full life. Like day to day, day of birth is day of death, same day, 120 years, like perfect circle. That's like perfect. Did he know? Uh, the Torah doesn't say that he was told. Did he have an intuition? It's possible. Was he told by God and we don't know about it? It's possible. So you're asking a really good question. I don't know. Is it written somewhere? It's possible also. I don't know. I don't recall seeing clearly that Moses knew exactly the day that he was going to pass away. Although, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I do believe that in, Deuter that in one of the subsequent portions, Moses alludes to the fact that he knows that that will be the day of his passing. 
But did he know it only on that day or did he know it already 37 days prior? I don't know. But it corresponds exactly to his, you know, he needs that time to say his farewells. He knew that it was farewell time, but I think the question that you're asking is, did he know exactly how much time he had? I don't know. It's possible. It's possible. All right, let's continue. This is chapter 2, verse 1, and you're noticing that, once again, the chapter and verses don't line up with the readings. The readings are divided per original Jewish tradition from Moses, and the chapter and verses were created by Christian scholars later. Why do we adopt it into our chamashim, into our, um, into our books? Because it's handy. You know, it, 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 it is handy, but it doesn't always line up. So here you see that a new chapter begins in the last verse of a reading when clearly that's not the way it's divided it originally. You know, reading five would be a new, a new topic, but here we do it this way. All right, let's read this. I'll keep Rashi up. Then we turned and after the sin of the spies and after they were the, those that um, tried to go were killed um, and we dwelled in Kaddish many days. So then we turned and journeyed into the desert by way of the Red Sea or the Sea of Reeds as the Lord had spoken to me and we circled Mount Seir for many days. Let's continue. Rashi we turned and journeyed into the desert. Had they not sinned, they would have passed by way of Mount Seir to enter the land from its southern end to its northern end. In other words, had they not sinned, they would have gone in straight from the bottom, straight from the south. They would have gone straight in, gone in straight, gone in straight to the land. But because they sinned, it was decreed upon them that they remain in the desert. So they turned towards the desert, which is between the Red Sea and the southern side of Mount Seir. They traveled along its south side from the west to the east by way of the Red Sea, by the route they used when they went out of Egypt, which is the at the southwest corner, from there they traveled toward the east. Basically, as you saw in that map, I'm not going to do it again. Every time I try to show that map, I feel like I'm juggling something without juggling, um, without an audience. I mean, without like applause of like actual juggling, just literally struggling with a book. But here's my point. Rashi says they went they, from Kadesh. They were supposed to go straight in, but they didn't. They went. They looped around, and then they traveled to the east, and then they went back up, or not back up, they went up to where they were at that point. And we circled Mount Seir, Rashi says, the whole south side, as far as the land of Moab, would be called Mount Seir. Now, is Mount Seir on our map? That's a really good question. It would be cool if it was, but I can't confirm until I look at it on my own and verify that. So what are some takeaways from this reading? I mean, it's... Uh, you know, continuing the story of yesterday. And it is fairly straightforward. So what, what lessons might we... Oh, yeah, look at this. Uh, you know, I'm going to juggle again. Sorry, guys. Told you I wouldn't. Or I told you I struggle with that, but I'm doing it anyway. Take a look. You're going to love this. There's some topography here also. This, this map does it all. It literally does it all. The only thing it doesn't do is tell you the gas prices along the way. Take a look at Edom or Edom. I'm just going to call it Edom like it's done in the Hebrew. Mount Sayer. Can you see that? It says Mount Sayer right there with a little mountain range, little topography, grayscale, mountain situation. So you see they went up to Kadesh, looped around for 40 years, and then they just went straight across the, the southern point of Mount Sayer. Boom. Shakalaka. They were supposed to go, see the dashed line, straight in. And, and, and we just read that had they not sinned, they would have gone straight in. But because they sinned, they went a little bit.
looped down, little to the east, or to the east and down, and then, then looped up. All right? So that's, that's, the, that's the end of the story. That's the end of this reading. The moral of the story is, follow God, you can't go wrong. That's, that's literally the, the moral of the story. And I know that's maybe you know, kind of what we said yesterday, which is true. Today's story continues the theme of yesterday. And really the theme is that there are two ways to go in. Two ways to get things done. The easy way or the hard way. Who determines whether it's going to be the easy way or the hard way? That's us. You could have gone in the easy way. But because you didn't want to, because you were kicking and screaming, so I got to take you the more difficult route. Reminds me of a beautiful insight that I heard recently. There was a, uh, a shluchim gathering, the gathering of the Chabad rabbis in Georgia uh, about a month ago. And there was a fellow, somebody who came in from out of town to Fabreng, to, you know, to, to inspire us. Actually, this guy, Rabbi Silverberg, is a rabbi from Chicago who's a rabbi in the high school, the Masifta, that Nussin, my son, studies in. So, it was, a whole, it was cute to have one of his teachers there. And, um, and he said a beautiful idea. <coughs> so when it comes to exile, the Jewish exile over the last 2,000 years, with no temple, right? Exiled, scattered around the nations. So there's conflicting, conflicting uh, messages. On the one hand, we say, it's because of our sins. We messed up. We had a temple. We had everything. And we couldn't get along with each other. And so we don't have a temple anymore. Because of our sins, that's why we've been exiled. So exile is a bad thing. At the same time, the Talmud says that why were we exiled? In order to gain converts. Why were we exiled? To go amongst the people to gain converts. Now, either that means literally people who convert to Judaism once meeting Jews, or figuratively, not literally, it means gaining the sparks. This is a mystical concept. Gaining the sparks that are all around the world that are, that are, that are lifted up when we encounter them. But again, on a simple level, it means you know, inspiring people that we come in contact with. So the Talmud essentially says that the exile is a good thing because it puts us in contact with more people and to have an influence on the world at large. Well, then, is it a punishment? Or is it a good... Like, it, Look, if, if these interactions had to happen and we stayed in Israel, so how would it have happened? So it seems like the exile was a necessary thing and a good thing. Well, then how is it a punishment for our sins? Which one is it? And the Rebbe shared a powerful answer about this. So we were fabricating about this again a month, a month or so ago. You know, we, it went very late, like 3, 4 in the morning. Very powerful fabreng in amongst the, the Chabad rabbis locally. And I'll share with you one insight that was said. And it's re really timely also because we're now in the nine days preceding the ninth of Av, which is the day that the temple was destroyed, which set in motion this very dynamic and conversation. Was it destroyed because of our sins or so that we could have more, more influence? Is it sin or influence? Which one? Choose a path. The Rebbe said, once said the following. There are different ways to address this this contradiction, but I'll share with you one idea. Had we not sinned, had we not messed up, we would have had the temple. We would have been in Israel. What about all of those that needed to be influenced? There's two ways to influence. One is by taking a road trip and schlepping around from place to place. And the other one is 
by being such a light that automatically others are attracted to the light. You with me on this? The Rebbe said, had we not sinned, life would have been easier. Had we stayed in our place and everyone would have come to us. They would have come to the temple. Check it out. Be influenced. Be drawn. I want to give an example. Like the Rebbe in Kranites. You think the Rebbe went around you know, each place? No, the Rebbe was in one place and everyone came to the Rebbe for inspiration. Right? Now we have to go out because, you know, but, but, but in its purest form, what could have been was we would have had the temple, stayed in I, what about all of the converts, either literal or figurative, that need to be inspired? No problem. They would come. But because we sinned, right? So now we have to take our show on the road. Now we have to gas up the car. Now we have to, now it's more difficult. Going back to my point, there's two ways that this can happen. The easy way or the hard way. And we choose the way it's, that it's going to happen. We know it's going to happen. In other words, God's intention is going to be fulfilled. Mashiach is going to come. The world is going to be inspired. Everyone's going to speak the same language, you know, and, and same devotion to God. That's going to happen. It's not a question. It's guaranteed it's going to happen. The question is, how easy is it going to happen? How does it play out? And that's where we come in. Is it, are we kicking and screaming? Is it painful for us? Or is it going to be easy? Are we going to shine the light that automatically attracts? Or are we going to have to, because we're not shining as brightly, are we going to have to like go and dig and get dirty and go into every corner and hand, you know, hand collect everything that needs to be collected? That's the question. Now, is there an advantage in the, in the second option, in, in, the, in, in the, you know, the traveling option? Yeah, you could say that, but it's also more difficult. And so the Rebbe's point in that talk was, you can either choose the easy route or the hard route. Why choose the hard one? But, but so often we choose the hard one. And it reminded me, I was reminded of this in concluding today's reading, where God says, and Moses says, Moses says to the people at the end of the four years, you could have had it easy. You could have gone straight in. God, what, let me just show you the verses that I'm referring to. Now let me pull this back up. Um, let me toggle Rashi off. No, maybe it was in Rashi. I'm sorry. Yeah, this last Rashi. Had they not sinned, they would have passed by way of Mount Seir, tent to the land from its southern end to its northern end. Had they not sinned, it would have been easy. But they sinned. So it took 40 years. And even after 40 years, they had to schlep and travel and go all the way up and around and through. So here's the deal. In life, there's a choice. We can do it God's way or our way. When we do it God's way, it's straightforward. Our way is complicated. How do I know this? Because we're complicated people. If anybody says, I'm not complicated, oh, that's the first complication. First complication, complication number one, you don't realize you're complicated. Literally. If somebody says, no, I'm simple, I'm not complicated. All right, red flag right there. Yeah, you're not even, you're so complicated, you don't even know that you're complicated. Human beings are complicated, God is straightforward. 
we go God's way, I'm not saying things are going to be easy, but things are straightforward. It's not easy. No one said easy, but it's straightforward. It's direct. We go it our own way. We're still going to get there because God needs us to get there. But we're going to drive ourselves crazy. We're going to have to cut down forests and pave new roads, sometimes for no reason, to get to where we could have gotten had we just been on board in the beginning. It's kind of like the book of Jonah. Remember Jonah? Yeah, and the whale, Jonah and the whale. God gives him, did I cut out for a second? Yeah, for a couple seconds. It reminds me of Jonah. Yeah, God says to Jonah, go to Nineveh and deliver the message. And Jonah says, no, I'm sorry. I don't hear you. I'm going somewhere else. Gets on a boat. What do you think happens? Goes on the boat. There's a storm. It's almost shipwrecked. They throw off things. Then they throw him off. He gets swallowed by a whale. And the whale has him for three days. The whale spits him out. He's now on dry land. And then he goes to Nineveh. He could have gone to Nineveh right away. Straightforward. Not that it would be easy, but straightforward. But no, he says, I'm going to do it my own way. I'm going to go and I'm, I'm resisting God's call. I'm going to go to Tarshish. You can't go to Tarshish forever, right? Jonah, psst, you can't run away from God. And the message is not for Jonah, it's really for us. Can't run away from God. I don't mean that in a doom and gloom like God's... We can't run away from our mission in life. We can't run away from our calling. We have something to accomplish. See, either we do it, right? We, we have the call. We study Torah. We're studying Torah every day, right? We study Torah. We know what we need to do. It's got 613 mitzvot. Either we're doing it and we're, we're getting the job done and we're you know, straightforward or we're avoiding it. Can't avoid it forever. It just makes the process more complicated. At the end of the day, it makes us... It creates more anxiety. It creates more challenge for us. That's unnecessary. So when it came to the destruction of the temple, there are two paths. Could have had the temple and worked from there to influence the world. Or we can allow the temple to be destroyed because of, of infighting. And that leads to a much longer path, a 2,000 year path to accomplish the same thing. You could have gone into Israel right away or wandered for 40 years and then have to go all the way around to go to Israel. Straightforward path or the convoluted path. The choice is in our hands. Let's choose wisely. All right. Thank you for joining me today for DPP. Any questions or comments? Yeah, Ari, with, with the destruction of the temple, yes. things with the northern and southern kingdoms and all, Mashiach was not going to come in anyway before the temple was destroyed. Um, and it seems like this is like the heavenly sling on earth for these thousands of years. The kafakela, the um, being torn between two realities. Yeah, you could say that. Listen, it's really hard to say had they gone in right away, had the spies not sinned or had the people not sinned by the spies and had they gone in right away, that means that Moses would have led them in, then that might have been Mashiach. That might have been Mashiach. There are sources that say, had Moses led them in, that would have been it. There are sources that say that. So, yeah, it, would, it, it could have been. Am I saying for sure? That's not, that's not my pay grade. That's above my pay grade. But there are sources that say, had Moses led them in, it would have been Mashiach. Which is why Moses was fighting, even after all these sins, even after the spies, and after he hit the rock, 
he was still advocating to take them in because he knew that if he went in, it says that the actions of Moses were eternal. So what the tabernacle that Moses built never got destroyed. Where is it? It's buried somewhere. But like the, the actions of Moses would be everlasting. So that would be a, a messianic type thing experience. Well, Moses didn't, didn't go in. Where was the original decree of Moses not going in? Everyone says, you know, when he hit the rock instead of speaking to it. But the truth is, after the sin of the spies, God says to Moses, no one's going in from this generation except for Caleb and Joshua, Caleb and Yeshua. God didn't say, and you can go in. Right? And if you recall, let me pull this up actually in the reading. I think in yesterday's reading, give me a second. I, I believe that Moses says, recalling this, hold on. Hold on, hold on. It's not even speculation at this point. It's literally not speculation. We read it yesterday. It's, 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 it's in scripture. Rabbi, yesterday uh, at the presentation when the rabbi at the end said next year in, in Jerusalem, did he mean that, that we should find Messiah and return? And, or is it just mean we visit Israel personally next year? And then also, how does the creation of the state of Israel uh, impact that we're in Exodus? I mean, in uh, Exodus. Let, let, me, let me just do two things, but first let me just show you the verse I'm talking about. It was the second to last verse in yesterday, third reading, right? Yesterday's reading. The Lord was also angry with me because of you, saying, neither will you go up, go there. That's Moses saying clearly that God basically banned, banned him from the land with the sin of the spies. So had so when he hit the rock, <coughs> it was like the icing on the cake. But that decree happened, it, it first came down with the sin of the spies. Essentially, had Moses, had they not sinned and had they gone in, it's very possible Mashiach would have come. That would have been the easy path. Now, are there advantages to the, to the scenic route? Sure. But is it more painful? Yes. So we have a choice. And, and, and I think it's less, less important to think about others than to think about ourselves. When we're faced with what we know what to do, with what we know we have to do, do we do it or do we avoid it, right, spiritually? You can't run away from it. It's only, it's only making things more, more difficult. So now, also, yeah. yeah. but Rabbi, it also shows that as individuals, we are dependent on what other Jews do too, because it impacts us. That's also true. Yeah, we're all kind of in the same boat. Someone drills under their seat, water's coming in, 100%. Yeah, now you asked, Donna, you asked a few questions. Number one, what does this mean about the modern, well, that was your second question, about the modern state of Israel, and what did the rabbi mean when he said next year in Jerusalem? So next year in Jerusalem, of course, is the special prayer that we say at the end of the Seder, uh, next year, Lashon HaBab Yerushalayim, and the way it's explained in, in, uh, by the previous Rebbe, and the Rebbe explained this many times, is it means that we, it's, a, it's a hope and a prayer for Mashiach, that we should be with Mashiach in, 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 in Israel. And it's not that next year Mashiach should come. It's Mashiach should come now, and by next year already, we'll already be settled and comfortable, and you know, we've got our apartments and houses set up. So that, that's the wish. As far as the state of Israel... Certainly the idea of Jews living together, living in the promised land, living in the, living in the Jewish homeland is a very special thing. Is that, is that Mashiach? Well, we, we had a course on Mashiach. We, there's a lot of things that, that, that are requirements for, to, to officially call it Mashiach. It includes the rebuilding of the temple. Or it includes you know, a, 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 a spiritual renaissance. So 
there's a, there's, there are other pieces other than physically being in Israel, so it's part of a larger process, but please God soon, we will have that manifest. We always talk about challenges lead to greater things, so yes. the Holocaust was part of the reason, I mean, Israel, state of Israel exists in part because of the Holocaust. Right, so I'm, I'm always hesitant, again, following my teacher, how the Rebbe spoke about the Holocaust, there was never, um, when, the, when Rabbi said the Holocaust happened for the state of Israel, or that was a positive from it, the Rebbe was always very hesitant to say that because of, the, of, of just how tragic, how horrific it was, the, the, the sheer loss of, 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 of life, the sheer tragedy of it. Um, to, say, to, to associate it, say, well, the, the, the positive is we got, we got Israel, is almost to excuse it or to rationalize it or to make the horror less horrific. And the Rebbe was very hesitant to do that. This is, not, this is a much bigger discussion. It's a topic that I've explored before. We actually did years ago a six-week course on the Holocaust, which might be appropriate to do again at some point. Um, but I think it's something important to bear in mind that when it comes to certain tragedies, we don't necessarily look for the, the silver lining, so to speak. Even if one could come up with one, in doing so, it might come at the, at the cost of our own compassion, etc. I'm not, I'm not speaking to you specifically, right, or about you specifically. I'm just saying that in general, I'm very hesitant to, to make that association just because of kind of uh, the implication of that. All right, I'm going to run. I actually have a meeting at 1. So I want to wish you all a wonderful day. Thanks for joining. Um, Donna and Sarah and Sandrine and Mark, we'll see you guys. See you tonight. See you tonight, yes, in person. In person, Torah studies and online. We've got our dual study session, and I'm introducing the owl, hopefully for the first time tonight. Well, not for the first time, but introducing the owl. For those of you that don't know what the owl is, you'll find out tonight, 7.30. All right, who will join us? The owl will. We'll see you guys. Take care. All right, bye.